0: The streams podcast Kip here. Um, Kane is back. You know, he is officially co hosting again after missing him for the last two seasons. You know, with responsibilities and life and career, didn't allow him to get to the pod for two years, but um, he's definitely back. This one's I'm, I'm doing solo, and I actually want to save Kane's next appearance for our gratitude and appreciation episode. You know, last week we launched season seven of our podcast with a really emotional. Uh, and heartfelt announcement about our father Cass and, and the, the medical reality he's facing with Alzheimer's and our plan to start the Cassione Foundation, in his name and some of our future vision of how we could enlist all of you out there uh, that know our parents and our family and how we could kind of come together as community and turn the tragedy of his diagnosis into some positivity and boy where we rewarded, but I don't want to spoil that without Kane here. So I'm going to save that for our next episode where we can really open our hearts and thank everybody together. But this, this one is a useless information episode and useless information is typically with my uh, friend and, and one of my mentors and coaching and teaching Jack Martino. But today I'm actually by myself in Houston at the uh, NABC convention in the final four for the men's basketball tournament. This is the yearly convention for thousands and thousands of basketball coaches of all levels, that happens always in jun- in conjunction with the final four. And I'm really lucky to have been here uh, probably 10 times now uh, since I've been a head coach for 15 years. Uh, and this year I'm excited. because I'm not just here as the head men's basketball coach of Atlanta, but I'm also here as the founder of teams of men, my LLC that exists to help coaches, athletic directors, teams, players. We've worked with athletic conferences, create space and create intentional programming and curriculum designed for coaches to give their guys opportunities to grow as men, to grow as healthy men. And what I mean by that is men full of empathy, compassion, kindness, emotional fluency, and men that can break out of uh, society's version of the man box that traps them into a really limiting version of manhood. That's what I've done with my program for 10 years. And now I've been able to help teams of all ages, high school, college, all sports across the country, uh, do similar things in their program. And I get to have a booth at the Final Four, so we're here, um, booth five twelve on the convention floor here in Houston, and we get thousands of foot tra- thousands of coaches of foot traffic, uh, walking by. So it's going to be really exciting. I got two of my former players working the booth to share their experiences. Uh, you know, I think they're the proof in the pudding. They're awesome people. They are, um, and they get to work the booth with me. So I'm excited for the for the weekend of hoops and growth. Uh, but this episode today that I'm that I'm taping has been on my mind for a while. Uh, Like many of you out there, you know, I come up with these ideas or anything that's like, hey, I should remember this. And as I get a little older, it's getting a little harder to just use the recall button in my brain to just pull it up out of the ether. So I email myself or I text myself. And this is one of the ones that I had sent across the streams, podcast at gmail.com, hashtag usports. And today's episode is a deep dive into the facts and numbers about usports participation and then a real call to change for all of us parents. I'm going to put myself in that box as well. Um, I want us to change and I'll get further into this in the episode. I want us to change how we show up in these spaces. I want us to change how we send our kids to these spaces. I want us to change the drive there, the conversations. I want us to change the conversations afterwards. I want us to change what we think we as the adult can take from the experience of watching our kids supposedly have joy. Um, so that's the focus today. It's going to be a couple of different parts. We've got some breaks in there with some commercials for the KIF foundation and the KIF invitational, but across the streams is back guys. Useless full information. Episode two, season seven. All right. Now I think I should probably call this something like home is where the heart is. Um, cause I've been in a lot of gyms in my life. You know, I've been at fields, I've been in bleachers, I've been in stadiums, field houses, domes um you name it i've probably been there right i I literally wonder if a vast majority of my life's been in three places in a bed in a sports venue in a car and i was probably in the car on the way to and from the sports venue and in the bed tired from whatever action i had performed in the sports venue i think that if there was like a collage of where does kip live where does he where does this being what does he inhabit Um, like many of you probably listening it's uh, in those three places, a bed, sports venue and the car to and from, you know, in our house, you know, our dad's an all-American basketball player. You know, he was a three sport athlete in high school. He had East LA Junior College, you know, Eastern Montana College, all-American. He was a freaking amazing softball player in Billings, Montana. He was a golf coach. I mean, he's a one handicap. I mean, he was just a natural athlete. Our mom was a barrel, cra- barrel racing national champion. Tough as shit. Athletic. Um you know, obviously I I played college basketball as three sport athlete at Skyview. Kane was an all-American college football player, had a cup of coffee in the NFL for Christ's sake, and is now a group of five defensive co-coordinator. Our uncle Tony was a phenomenal basketball player, had the scoring record in Brick Breeden Fieldhouse for Idaho State I get 40 there uncle john my dad's youngest brother he was um he played college basketball western montana college you know my cousin Corey played college junior college basketball i mean all of our gatherings throughout our life revolved around sports we were either in the sports and so all the activities on a holiday on a weekend when people were in town were around somebody's game they were affected by a game um, we were watching it. If we were together, we were probably all around a game and either cheering on the same team or going at each other for the teams that we all had passionate for. They were playing each other. I mean, we just gave a shit about sports. I mean, I have theories in our house of why it was so important, you know, aside from the paycheck that my dad was bringing home, clearly for being a, a coach. Um, but it played a central role in our day to day. Um, and it's still, I think in my house, it plays a central role in our day to day. You know, my kids are all in athletics. Even my youngest who uh, is on the autism spectrum is a basketball fanatic. Um, so basketball, my wife is clearly a better basketball player than me An all American in volleyball and basketball in college, uh, the best athlete in the family. So, I mean, bas- sports in general, right. Have a, a big role in my life and always have like many of you out there in general terms, that's our society right? There's a study. If you go to the Aspen, uh, A-S-P-E-N Project Play, aspenprojectplay.org, you can get a list of, hey, what is it that we really th- value? Why do we think sports are so important? I mean, there's there's studies. There are scientific studies. One in 10 kids that are participating in physical activity in sport are one on one one-tenth as likely less likely to be obese They have 40% higher test scores. The kids that are active in sports have less smoking, drug use, pregnancy or risky or do have risky sex. 15% more more likely to go like, or they're 15% more likely to go to college. They have seven to 8% higher annual learnings. They have reduced risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, and diabetes. They have reduced risk of compression of morbidity. They have one third, the rate of disability have lower health costs. So there's the stats, right? For early childhood sport participation, um, there's research about communities where they just spend twenty or more dollars on parks, which they equate to activity in sport. There's higher property values in those communities. There's three percent lower rates of heart disease in those communities. The communities smoke less. Their schools experience higher graduation rates. Um, you know, there's a ton of things that we and you probably have in your family have heard from people in your family believe are positives and reasons why so many of us did and want our kids to participate in sports, to participate in physical activity and take it as far as team or individual competition. Um, you know, football is currently America's most popular sport. The number of football participants uh, ages 13 to 17 is 1.46 million. it's the most pop, sorry. It's the most popular spectator sport. million teenagers play it. That's still behind the 3.4 million teenagers that play basketball, the 2.2 million teenagers that play baseball, the 1.48 million teenagers that play soccer, and there's another 1.4 million teenagers that play tennis. The rates with which our kids are playing sports traditionally have been in the millions. The number is the millions. If you go to youthathletesunited.com, uh, you know, we spend our money where we spend our time. We spend our time with youth sports. Youth sports is a $19 billion industry. Globally, the youth sports market is projected to be, I think, $77.6 billion by 2026. In the US alone, organized sports for children and teens represent an economy larger than the $15 billion National Football League economy, which we all know football is king in this country. I mean, these numbers are astounding. Okay, uh, the average parent, listen to this one. You're, you're gonna, and some of you probably feel this, right? The average family typically spends around fourteen hundred dollars a year on sports activities per per kid. They're paying for gear, entry fees, memberships, personal training, travel, and camps. Other expenses, there are technologies that we're buying. Okay, um, there's so many things that we're that we're spending money on that are related to sports. Uh, parents costs have been on the rise this is a study from K- the university of kansas at the high end families can spend more than 10 percent of their income on registration fees travel camps and equipment there's a dad that spent twenty thousand dollars in new york that participated in the study twenty thousand dollars for one year volleyball club team participation springfield missouri mom drove seven hours round trip for her 10 and 11 year old son's travel basketball practice weekly uh, family from ottawa sent their 13 year old kid to new jersey for a year to increase the time that he might get on his travel hockey team and his sponsor paid the team's $25,000 private school tuition. Okay? So if you take if you subscribe to the validity of why kids should play, which we went over. Once again, aspenprojectplay.org has the studies that give you the benefits economically, mentally, emotionally, socially of kids being active. And you know the truth behind the weight in your in your wallet or your pocketbook of how much we're spending on kids' sports, this is the perfect podcast episode for you today. Because I'm here to tell you that despite the numbers in participation level, which I just gave you, was in them tens of millions, that's actually been going down. That despite the money we're paying, is that has been increasing as parents for all this participation the number of kids that are leaving sports quitting sports or not starting sports at all has been dropping at alarming rates and i'm gonna tell you why but let's, t- let's go to our first break Cassion foundation exists to raise and distribute money to both Alzheimer's research, caretaker support services, and other causes or individuals who exemplify the morals and beliefs held dear by our namesake, Cain and I's father, Cass. Please join us in honoring our father, Cass's legacy, by donating today at CassIoneFoundation.org, K-A-S-I-O-N-E Foundation.org. One NFL veteran said, I've seen parents spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars pursuing a college scholarship. They could have set that aside for literally anything else. Pair that in the realities of how much money we're spending um, that I talked about in part one here. Pair that with these two podcasts that I want to give you all as parents out there that I think are so vital okay, to what we're talking about in terms of why we've got to get ourselves under control. To get to stabilize the participation in youth sports and to maximize what our kids can actually get out of these youth sports. I want you to pair it with plain English with Derek Thompson. It's a podcast on the Ringer Network. And the last couple episodes, go to Plain English with Derek Thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. And you'll have more, two more indicators of kids fleeing from college pressures and achievement expectations from their parents in a podcast that just was released yesterday about the achievement stress teens are expressing in scientific studies and the unhappiness level of a ton of our teens. That's about four episodes ago. Achievement, success, angst, and unhappiness in teens. Listen to those. So pair those together and you might start to see a picture of why teens are dropping out of sports so fast. Let me give you some snapshots of participation rates. Okay. Um, The most recent year's full data is from 2019 that year 56.1% of youth ages six to 17 said they participated on sports teams or took some kind of sports lessons after school that means basically organized sports 56.1% youth percentage um that's down okay that's down from where it has been historically the attrition has been happening meaning kids leaving sports or not starting sports for more than a decade. Okay. By at 13, that's the number. Age 13. Okay, we start to see the huge dropout of sports from kids. 40 million youths who participated in organized sports, of those 40 million, 70% of them will drop out before the age of 13 from one or more of those sports. When <laughs> a 21%, a 2121 survey show that 44% of families nationwide saw their community-based sports program, whatever the sport may be, soccer, football, camps in the summer, the swimming pool, close because of low participation rates. Okay, so we've got 70% of kids dropping out. We've got, in other numbers, okay, we've got every household demographic in income under 50, 50 to 100,000, 100,000 plus, okay, had fewer participants in sp- in sports in 2022 than they did in 2021 or 2020 every ethnicity surveyed black white hispanic asian pacific islander experienced at least a 1% drop in interest in sports from kids age 6 to 17 okay total participation rates percentage of children ages 6 to 12 okay have dropped from 2012 to where they are now so we have an exodus of kids from sports and we have a barrier to entry with some kids not wanting to be in sports and it seems to there's, there's a big line of demarcation at age 13 where we see uh the national alliance for youth sports nays, N-A-Y-S doing a survey on the 40 million youth; 70 percent of them will drop out before they turn age 13 why right why in that survey, the NAYS survey, kids gave one simple reason, and some of you listening probably probably guess it. It's not fun. There is no more fun associated with their sport. Okay? Uh go to alliesports.com, o l l i e s p o r t s.com. They've got an article, I think it's really good, five huge problems with youth sports in the US specifically. They list kids are quitting too soon. They quit by 11, they quit by 13. They're missing out on their own national development. They're missing out on physical uh, advantages that are about to come their way where they can become better at their sport and experience more return on investment, so to speak. But they're quitting too soon to, to reap the benefits. There's early specialization pressure from us. Our parents are putting enormous pressure on our kids to pick one sport for their scholarship Rather than letting them play anything and everything under the sun, the National Athletic Trainers Association recently released an official statement recommending that children stop specializing in sport as long as possible. Play as many things for as long as you can. It helps uh, reduce risk of injury. It helps with burnout and it helps dropping out of sport altogether. Another reason kids are leaving: it's too damn expensive. We're charging twenty three hundred dollars. Sometimes for families in certain states to participate in sports, lacrosse and ice hockey, hell, they can cost you seven thousand dollars. Okay, in families that make over a hundred thousand dollars per year, sixty-eight point four percent of kids are playing sports. If you drop that down to families paying fifty thousand dollars a year, it's only forty-eight percent of their kids are playing sports. Then if you get to twenty-five percent or less, only thirty percent of their kids are playing sports. It's too damn expensive. Okay, next number two reason: not too much stress. Not enough fun. They don't get to play with their friends because we've moved them to some damn travel team that we think is better for them. So they're not with their friends. It's not as fun when you don't play with your friends. There's no free play. We've turned everything into very specific, coached-up tournament structure. It's not free. They're not imagining. They're not creating. Uh, Us, over-involved parents, and we're going to get into this deeply in later... Um, parents who are refusing to let these games be for kids and throwing themselves into it. And there's just the overall lack of playing time. If you don't get in the game, you don't have fun. Okay, so we got kids sitting on the bench at age nine or 10 because somebody decided that they're not good enough. Okay, all these are playing into too much stress, not enough fun. And then finally, this sports study argues it's just the wrong goals. We've got our kids out here trying to perform to high achievement standards so we can imagine them then getting D1 scholarships and alleviating our costs of college. We've got them, and I'll get into this deeper, trying to soothe our wounded souls through their performance. They're not having fun. It's the wrong goals. Okay, Imagine, as one expert theorized, if children were granted to participate in the planning and execution of their sport, let the kids plan practice, man. What if the kids get to tell you how often, how long? What if they get to decide how often they get to train and they can opt out? What if they don't want to do the game, they want to practice? Because the practice is fun. There shouldn't be any damn national championships, this expert theorizes. Before age 13, we don't need publications of game scores or rankings before age 11. And if you violate these rules, you lose access to certain funding and grants. That's that's an imagination uh, from a New York Times 2019 article. What if 93% of children grew up playing organized sports where costs are low, economic barriers to entry are few, travel teams don't form until you're 15, and adults don't start sorting the weak from the strong until they've actually, everyone's gone through puberty. What, 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 would, what would happen? What would our sports landscape look like? Okay. This part two has been my attempt to show us we're chasing the kids off the field. We're closing the doors in their face to what they used to think were fun. And I'm going to get into it more after this next break. The first ever Cass I Own Foundational Invitational is taking place Saturday, July 22nd at Pryor Creek Golf Club. The longtime home away from home for our dad, Pryor will be the backdrop for the first major fundraising event of the Cass I Own Foundation, which Kane and I have started in our dad's name to help raise money for Alzheimer's Research Caregiver care, caretaker care, and other causes and individuals who exist in the line with the morals and beliefs of our dad. Registration is going to be online for the tournament starting April 3rd. And there's two ways you can get the registration. And we'll put this up on all our socials BirdEase, B I R D E A S E.com backslash K I F 2023. That's the official uh, registration link. BirdEase.com. Backslash KIF 2023. Or if you go to the CalcyonFoundation.org, you can navigate the links to the golf in the Take Action and you can get to that same KIF 2023 website. The KIF Foundation Invitational, July 22nd, 2023. Now, I've been a college basketball coach for two decades. I've spent the two decades before that as a multi sport athlete. I spent all 43 years of my existence as a devout sports enthusiast and fan. My role models have been in some order Magic Johnson, Allen Iverson, and LeBron James. The longest relationship in my life, aside from with my parents, is with the Dallas Cowboys, 39 years of fandom. I run a business where I preach the value of using sports as a vehicle to healthy humanity. I mean, I I get paid, To help other coaches find connection and overlap between what sports, the world, and each other ask of one another in driving solutions to major issues like sexism, racism, and oppression in general. I'm the poster boy for sports. But I'm here to tell you, being a sports fan is one of the least favorite hats I wear. A sports parent, sorry. Being a sports parent is one of the least favorite hats I wear. Being in gyms with other sports parents is one of the least favorite places I have to exist in. The idea of going to my daughter's basketball game, my son's football game, my youngest son's basketball game, my daughter's track meets, fills me with angst and leaves me with anger that very few other places or things in the world do. Why? Because we as adults have turned these places of youth sports from spaces of wonder and joy for our kids into museums of our own insecurities and fears. We have taken away what should be spaces where they meet new friends and learn sacrifice for group goals. And we've turned it into toxic dick measuring contests for us and our neighbor based on the points our kids score against each other. Because we haven't done the work as adults, as grown people, Because we haven't done the work to heal ourselves and let that lack of control we feel at a world spiraling out of control. We are then using our own iron fists, metaphorically, I realize, but sometimes physically, to grab Saturdays at 9 a.m. at the park in a stranglehold. I can't control the horrors of the globe, but by God, I promise you, I won't let this flag football game go by without exerting all my emotion and willing my son to a touchdown the problem is us it's us we are motherfucking officials and referees on a regular we are screaming at other people's kids other people's sons other people's daughters we're treating volunteer score table workers as if they are paid professionals at the final four And we're holding volunteers at these events to a standard of perfection and performance we ourselves are unwilling to uphold because otherwise we would have volunteered to do those jobs. So we didn't. We bought our Starbucks and we sat in the stands to yell at them. Kids aren't playing anymore. They're chasing our dreams of scholarships and contracts that could have been. Kids aren't maturing through games. They're being forced to soothe our tortured egos and bruised souls. It's gross. It's not making them stronger. It's not teaching them resilience. You're not practicing tough love. You're scarring them. We're pushing them from us. we got to stop it. Cross the streams.